Amen. Good morning, Christ Church. How y'all doing? It's a beautiful day. It's great. It's good to be here. It is awesome to see all of your faces. It's been a while since you could say that, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what, it is exciting for me to be here. It's exciting to be with a group of people, like-minded individuals who are here for the same purpose um, as a worship minister. For those of you who don't know me, sorry, let me introduce myself. My name is Cruz Rueda. I'm the worship minister here at Christ Church, and uh, today I'm not singing. Um, I'm just going to talk for a little bit, if that's okay with y'all. But um, it is, there's nothing better than enjoying a time with people who bring out the best in you. Am I right? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Having a good laugh with friends, no agendas, no calendars, no. So for those of you who don't know, this, pack, this past week was crazy for me. We had a youth event Friday night, Saturday, all day. Uh, I, I had to write this sermon. Um, I just started grad school again, and it was so busy, I had to buy a planner. Like, you know how busy you have to be to, like, I need some help. I need to be able to see this down on paper, right to the 30-minute markers. It was crazy, but there is nothing like just throwing that away and just enjoying a good laugh with people who you enjoy being around and who are like-minded and bring out the best in you. That's what worship is for me. That's the best part of being a worship minister is seeing the perspective or hearing the likeness of one another singing to the same God for the same reasons because he is good, because he is faithful, and we raise a hallelujah because of that, you know? Like we just finished singing all these songs and you guys sounded awesome and I was just happy to be able to be a part of that this morning. But there is nothing better than being with that group of people being with that community. Um, I have a group of guys that I'm really tight with. We met when I was in college, and uh, we are like brothers. Um, and honestly, like, our lives have been transformed because of the relationship that we have with one another. Because you see, the human nature longs for community and interaction. We are literally wired for community. In fact, uh, in God's creation of man, he saw this body, this flesh, and he said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And each person is created in a unique way, yes, but we all have this one thing in common. It doesn't matter how much we say that we don't need someone else. It doesn't matter if we think that we can do it all on our own. The truth of the matter is we can't. And we not only long for, but we desire and we need other people. And this isn't a bad thing, you know. Like I said, we were wired this way. We were created in this way. And in fact, um, there, there's something in the translation. Uh, a, a lot of preachers like to use Greek and Hebrew to just flex their skills. I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not that smart, TBH. Like, it's just me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you guys. Um, if I'm honest, I'm not that smart, so I don't use a lot of Greek and Hebrew. But growing up as a Mexican in a Hispanic household, I read the Bible a lot in Spanish. And there's a word that is used to represent Eve's creation uh, that, is, that just honestly loses its meaning when it's translated to English. And uh, they use this word, idonia. Can you say that with me? Idonia. Yeah. 
And so this word uh, changes the purpose of Eve in my perspective. This word idonia translates to ideal or necessary. In other words, Eve was the ideal helper for Adam. And likewise, I like to believe Adam is the ideal helper for Eve. They're one and the same. They help each other out because you can't live without community. And that's the thing is, you know, we, we say this a lot for our spouses. We say this a lot for uh, in marriages, you know, like God created Eve uh, as the ideal helper for Adam. But, you know, this, is, this goes beyond that. This is community. Like I said, God created us with this intention for community and relationship with one another. And so we go around the earth seeking our ideal community since an early age. You know, it starts off at birth. We are placed in a household. We are placed with a family. And our ideal community is our parents, right? And so we become a lot closer like our parents. Then you go off to school and you make friends uh, and or school or daycare. And then you create your circles that you're surrounded with these individuals. And we tend to navigate towards people who look a lot like us and have the same perspectives as us. Um, so soon enough, like, our lunch tables are just a bunch of carbon copies of one another, if you think about it. You ever, like, take your kids to the park and you see the kids that they're hanging out with or you do, like, a play date and you're like, oh, they both like that show. Oh, they both like that. Oh, they both have Batman socks. Wow, that's weird. Let me hide my socks real quick. Um, but as I mentioned, I have this group of friends, uh, and these guys are like brothers to me in every way. And I think one of the best parts of our relationship is our difference in perspectives. We, we, have, we don't see eye to eye with a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, we see eye to eye on the important things that we hold necessary. But there are things that I'm able to learn because Alex has a different perspective or has a different opinion about something. Um, a few days ago, actually, this friend Alex uh, texted our group message, and he said, he sent a picture, a screenshot of something, and he was like, uh, yeah, this saddened me. This made me feel like I was angry because of this, uh, because this organization is doing blah, 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 and saying something. And I was kind of late to the game, so everyone else had already responded. I think I was in a meeting. And I came back, and I responded, and I said something somewhat sarcastic, but also it was in light of my perspective towards this situation. And he responded with simply, I knew you were going to say something like that. You know, have you ever said that or have you, someone, has someone ever said that to you? And it's like, well, how? You know, the last seven years, Alex, Matt, Dom, and I have spent uh, creating this intentional community to the point where we know each other so well that we know how we're going to respond or what's going to anger us, what's going to bring us joy, what we're going to be excited about, because we know each other. Even though we're different at times, we know each other that well because we've been around each other. Even now, like, uh, one of them is in Kansas, the other one is in Richmond, the other one's in, like, North Raleigh. We're scattered all over the place, but we have intentional community with one another through communication. You see, Jesus walked the last three years of his life on earth, proclaiming and expressing the will of God. And if you've been following with us in our Core 52 uh, material, this week we've been talking about prayer. And I'm just humbled and I'm excited 
and I'm thankful for Christ Church and the elders who trust me enough to uh, share on prayer this morning. Um, and this is what I've been gathering. This is what I've been thinking as I've been studying prayer. You see, prayer is a spiritual discipline that embodies the relationship between the creation and the creator. Let me say that again. Prayer is a spiritual discipline that embodies the relationship between the creation and the creator. It is the moment that we seek community with God. As mentioned earlier, uh, our hearts are created with a natural desire for community. Uh, God created us to be with one another. In fact, his intended design was for us to encounter him and have community with him in the garden. But because of sin, we became separated from him. But still, we have this longing, this desire to have a relationship and a necessity for seeking community with God. And that's how prayer functions. Uh, There are layers to what happens in proper prayer because I believe that there can be improper prayer. And so Jesus is preaching his Sermon on the Mount. He's uh, sharing these Beatitudes. He's bestowing onto people the knowledge of how you should live, what you should do, how you should treat others, and it's blowing people's minds because it's completely against what they thought or knew to be true. And honestly, that's why we titled this series uh, Culture Shock, because it shook their world. It shook the very foundations that they were grounded on. They're like, what do you mean I can't steal from people? I'm a tax collector right? Let's not get on that. But uh, it shook what they thought. And then in the middle of all this, Jesus turned and he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. I didn't include this in my sermon, but I added it uh, during first service. I think one of the most common things that I hear from people when we talk about prayers well, I don't pray like you. I don't talk like you. Like, I don't have the language, the, the, the verbiage that you use when you pray. And so, like, people come to church, and they see me. They see Tim. They see Michael praying on stage. And it's like, oh, I can't do that. And, you know, Jesus is telling you, you don't have to. You don't have to pray like other people. Because why? Because we are wired specifically. We are each individual. We are each perfect in our own way, and so all you have to do is pray. All you have to do is speak. All you have to do is talk. You don't have to sound like someone else. Um, to, to be honest, again, I tend to babble. I, uh, I talk a lot. I ramble. We could be having a conversation. It would be very one-sided. It would be, be a very long five-minute drive, um, but <laughs> I think that's okay, because what's happening here is Jesus is talking about the babbling that these pagans are doing is a heart condition. They're just going on and on and on, but they're not actually praying. You know, that, that's where it goes back into proper prayer. 
And so I believe, including myself, that Jesus has demonstrated and shown this model of prayer. And this is what he says in uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And he says, This then is how you should pray. Will you join me in saying the Lord's Prayer together this morning? Say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. You see, Jesus... uh, Jesus knew that there was a desire for community and prayer with God. And so he uses this word father at the beginning of his prayer to demonstrate the accessibility to God in that, light, in that God is like an attentive father in that he knows what his children need. He's paying attention. And I, I'm going a little bit off script. This is the difference between... Uh, earthly fathership and heavenly fathership. You know, when we, when we address God as our Father, it's important for us to differentiate. Some of us don't know what a Father giving a good gift is. And so, in my perspective, whenever I read Scripture and I see God related to as a Father, I see that capital F as, that is the difference. You know? This is our heavenly Father. Because it's so hard to think of God as our Father, uh, as someone so distant, so far away, and yet so personal, so relatable, so understanding, especially if we don't have a relationship like that with our own fathers. And to me, uh, this model of prayer is a request. This is, this is an example. This is a template, if you will, of what proper prayer looks like. And Jesus is saying, this is a structure. Now you can go do this on your own. And so we're going to be unwrap, unwrapping this for a little bit. You see, the first thing that I see in Jesus' prayer is the posture of prayer. There is a distinct posture from Jesus represented in this prayer. He turns to God as his Father in heaven, and he honors him. He says he exalts him for who he is. He says you're God, you're my father, there's the accessibility, right? But still, your name is great, your name is power, your name is reverence. Jesus is telling us that we need to acknowledge who God is as creator and our position as his creation. There's a difference there. And then he continues with this. Christ continues by expressing, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. You see, to me, this is the most beautiful thing about Jesus' prayer. He intentionally removes himself from the equation. Jesus' posture is, God, you are perfect, you are powerful, you are able to do anything and everything. I am flawed and I am human, yet you still care. You're still interested in me. I have desires as a flawed human. But in this relationship, in this community that we've developed, I want your will to be done over mine. That's how Jesus begins his prayer, which is the most important. That's, honestly, that's why I included it at the top, 
because if I put it down like, I don't know, point three, you guys might be asleep by then. And I was like, I want to make sure y'all take away something. So, so Jesus' posture is the most important thing. And we see this all throughout Jesus' life to the point of the cross. Because you see, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he went to the garden. We just talked about this. He went to the garden. He took his 12 best friends who he'd been spending the last three years of his life with. And then those 12, they went to the garden. Then from those 12, he took out four. He was like, join me in prayer. And then from those four along with him, he went his own way and he prayed. And this is what Jesus said because he was burdened and he was carrying this understanding that he was about to die. And Jesus prayed like this in Matthew 26, 39. He says, uh, and yet he fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then Jesus stood up and he went to his friends and they've fallen asleep. And then Jesus continues and goes back again and he goes, again for the second time he went and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus does this three times, and yet often we get so frustrated when we pray for something once and it doesn't happen. And here's what Paul's response to that is in 1 Thessalonians. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks to all. Give thanks in all circumstances for his will, this, for this is his will in God, for of, sorry, my bad, for this is his will, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is what is asked of us, to continuously be praying and to be excited and rejoice always in all circumstances, give thanks. So we understand now, God, we humble ourselves to seek to understand who you are and your will. So what prayer is doing right now is it's transforming our minds to the likeness of the Father. Spending time in community with him to the point where we can say something and be observant and listening to his response. Because we know the will of the Father only by knowing the Father. You cannot know what the Father's will is unless you know the identity, who God is. No? And this is what we see about this in the Old Testament. In Second Chronicles, we read, if, people, if my people who, call, who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. There is a structure. We seek to understand God knowing ourselves as flawed people. We humble ourselves. We pray to seek his face, to know him. We turn from our sins. That's when God hears us. That's when God is attentive to our prayers. He's paying attention. He is, again, an observant, attentive father. That's what happens when we spend time with God. When we go 
into our room, close the door, and pray to our Father who is unseen. The second quality that we see in Jesus' prayer is uh, it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Now the prayer turns inward. My needs, my pleas. So what Jesus does is he acknowledges God by drawing upon their relationship as son and father, and then he states his case. He says something along the lines of, it's kind of like, God, I know you are sovereign. I know that you're sovereign over everything. I know that you're both distant, but you're also near. You are my father. You reign supreme with your holiness, and yet you still, you're still interested in me. I pray that your will be done and not my own. Thank you for blessing me. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus isn't just saying, I need you to feed me, but saying, thank you for feeding me. In other words, you know every need and have provided it for me. And then he continues by saying, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven those who owe us. I like to imagine that there was a pause here. Like Jesus clapping, he's going with his points, he's telling them what's going on, and then he's like, all right. He says this line. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven those who owe us. Jesus turned from telling people, you should pray for your debts to be forgiven from God, uh, aka your sin. Ask for forgiveness from your sin. Ask for forgiveness uh, for the things that you've done in offense to God, what you owe to God, what you cannot pay to God. But also, likewise, you should be forgiven those who owe you. I, I, I used the word sin earlier uh, in this because it's not just money that he's talking about. He's talking about those who have offended us, those who have caused pain in our hearts. And there's a recognition of forgiveness and that it isn't easy and that we don't deserve forgiveness. Yet we turn to God so easily and say, God, forgive me for my sins. And then it's like, oh, wait. I know I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be forgiven, and yet I'm asking for it. And I'm not asking for it because you won't give it to me. I'm asking for it because I know I don't deserve it, and yet you're still giving it to me because forgiveness has already been given. But then Jesus is like, acknowledge the forgiveness given to you and your, how undeserving you are of it. And now turn around and give it to someone else. Give it to those who have offended you, who don't deserve your forgiveness. It's so difficult, yet it's so necessary. It's healing. And that's what prayer is. It's, as I mentioned earlier, it's a spiritual discipline that embodies the relationship between the creation and the creator. In knowing the Father, we recognize our dependence in him, both the good and the bad. We trust in knowing that he is working in our lives. Because we know that God gives good gifts, and the root of such comes from having the likeness of God's heart. Understanding him. 
As we saw earlier, Jesus was removing himself from the equation, and he's asking for God's will, right? So God's will over his own. But how do you understand the will of the Father? And we'll get to that in just a second. But what happens next is Jesus wraps up his prayer. And Jesus wraps up his prayer of benediction. He prays for deliverance in this prayer of benediction. He prays for deliverance and safety. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus concludes his prayer by engulfing his petitions. So it looks something kind of like this. Jesus prays, God, I know that you're near. I know you're my father. I know that you care and that you are around me. I know that you are powerful and ruler of all. I submit myself to you as your son. I seek to understand your will, God. I pray that you open my eyes to the kingdom. Thank you for the gifts that you've given me, that I am not blinded or that I undervalue gifts and the blessings that you've already given me. I pray that you continue to do so. I pray that you protect me, my family, my loved ones, and those around me. God, I pray that I recognize evil and can stay away, that your hand be with me all of the days of my life, because yours is the glory and the power. That's how Jesus is praying. As I mentioned earlier, um, my friends and I are really close. And you might have developed some of these relationships as well. Uh, people that you're really close with, people that know you very well and you know them very well as well. Um, and this could be a brother, a sister, uh, a college friend, like in my case, could be your spouse. Um, but these relationships aren't formed overnight, right? They take time. And like, like I said, uh, some of you might know, I'm not married yet, but I will be soon. And I don't like to presume that I think I, I know, but um, hopefully some of you guys might understand me. But I think that, it, that you are incapable of knowing that your spouse's will is that you empty out the dishwasher every night, Right? without having that level of intimacy. You cannot know what someone wants without knowing who they are. So without that level of connection, that deep relationship that you have with your spouse, you won't know that she wants the dishwasher emptied out every night. See, the word intimacy means a close encounter or deeper relationship with someone. Um, someone described it as a cozy atmosphere. And that, to me, sounds very safe, you know? Uh, my friends and I have grown in a level of intimacy through our friendship with one another because of the things that we've been through. Because when I'm saddened, they're saddened. Because when I ask them to pray for my family, for my parents, for my sisters, it hurts them. They know my pain, and they acknowledge it. And so they seek to understand, and they seek to help that's what a level of intimacy is. And we all know that God knows every fiber of our being, right? But here's the question. This, isn't a, this is not an easy one. 
but how well do we know God? And as weird as that question is, uh, even more so, how do we get into a deeper relationship with God? How do we get to know him deeper than what we already do? And that's what spiritual disciplines accomplish. Um, To grow in intimacy with God deepens our understanding of his natures and his desires for humanity and will lead us to hearing his voice. When you know God, you seek to please him. You grow in his likeness. It's like sitting at the table with your friends. You all have these common things. So now, just like Alex sending that message and him knowing what I was going to say, it's because we spent so much time at the table. We spent so much time in community. Spending time with God is prayer. So maybe you're asking yourself, well, it's not that simple. Uh, How does one even pray? You know, this, this example, this template of Jesus' prayer is just that. It's this is how you should pray. This is the structure of prayer. Now go and do it. And it can be weird. I'll be honest. Like, learning to pray, practicing prayer is difficult when you've never done it before. Or maybe even the question is, uh, well, I know how to pray or I've prayed before, but you've now realized prayer is not an integral part of your life. It's not a necessity in your life. And so you need to make it a big part of your life because that's how you deepen the relationship with God. And here at Christ Church, we are invested and dedicated in helping people experience God and develop transforming relationships with him. In fact, we have it written on our walls. Like That's how much we care about people experiencing God that leads to a relationship with him that leads to a transforming experience and a transforming moment in your life. And we believe that prayer is a crucial part of that. So a couple days ago, uh, we developed this form. Uh, Form is the wrong word. Uh, This template, this page, I don't know what to call it, honestly, (laughs) uh, that guides, helps guide people through prayer. For those of you who don't know or are unaware, we have this beautiful trail behind our uh, campus here. And those of you who might have gone to the Stations of the Cross, raise your hand if you were at the Stations of the Cross during Easter time. Yeah, so you guys actually walked through our Stations of the Cross Uh, And those of you who don't know, like I said, it's a trail behind our church that leads you from Jesus' point in the garden, again, where he prays, God, your will be done. If this is what you need me to do, then I will do it, to his death, resurrection, and again, ascension. And so what we created was this form that encapsulates the different things that were leading Jesus to Jesus' death. And we helped create this uh, way to navigate through prayer. And let me tell you, we went through it a couple weeks ago with our staff two weeks ago. Um, and it, it led to healing. It led to uh, praise. There was tears. There was laughter. There was joy. There was celebration in each station. It's addressed to 
uh, help guide you through a specific thing that you should be praying for. And there's scriptures for each station. And as much as we think individual prayer is important, uh, we wouldn't just leave you stranded because we think that there's power in community prayer. And so if you've never done this, and if it seems weird to you, but you might be interested, any one of us on staff who have gone through it would love to go through it with you. Uh, it's important, it's beautiful, and I think that it's crucial to pray. And this could be a good place to start. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you only can pray at our uh, walkthrough, but it, it might be a good place to help you develop that confidence in how to pray. Because I think another thing that I often hear is, well, you know, I go down to pray, but then I run out of things to say. There's so many things that we could be praying for. In fact, there's a list on your chair of community prayers for our church that individuals in our church body are asking for prayer for. So maybe, maybe that's one thing. Maybe that's a step. We also believe that it's important to uh, go beyond that. Not just know that we need to pray, but prayer is crucial to the church body. So we have come together to create this event. Uh, we're going to be having a prayer night on June 30th. I closed my laptop and the date was in there. <laughs> on June 30th, Wednesday, June 30th, from 6.30 to 7.30. And we're just going to be using that time to seek God's face, to pray. Uh, we're going to be praying for one another. We're going to be praying for our households. We're going to be praying for our spouses, our children, our family. We're going to pray for our church body. We're going to be praying for our community. We're going to be praying for our nation, our leaders. We're going to be praying for the world, included in that the missions that we help everywhere in the world. We want God to be seen through us, and we only can do that when we seek God's face through prayer. This is my closing point. Um, I believe that prayer tends to feel hard at times because it's, 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 like I said, it's hard to imagine the accessibility to God as Father when he's just not visibly there, right? Uh, often people will think or have mentioned, it feels like you're just talking to nothing. It feels like you're talking to a wall. It feels very one-sided. You know? God doesn't say anything back. He doesn't do that. And um, that's the most beautiful thing for me when it comes to this prayer walk. Uh, there's a time when you reach the last point in our stations of the cross, and that's the ascension. So Jesus rose from the grave. He spent 40 days helping his disciples, teaching them. And like, there's very few written about those 40 days that Jesus spent on earth walking after he read after he rose again, but we know that it started the church. We know that out of that, the church came to be. And so, to me, the most important part of that is silence. You have this walk back from the ascension point all the way back to this, the building that's designated for just silence and seeking God's response. And I'll close with this story that ties into that. 
um, a couple years ago, I was home from college, and I woke up in the middle of the night. I was thirsty, and I woke up. I went to the kitchen. We had this five-gallon water jug, and so I'm pushing the button down to get water out of it, and I'm drinking water, and I look into the living room, and there's this weird figure in my living room, and I'm like, what in the world? Relax, it wasn't a demon or a ghost or anything like that. It's cool. But then I get more water, and I start drinking that, and then I was like, is that my mom? She's just like crouched over a couch. She's just chilling there. I was like, she's asleep. Okay, Weird. Okay, so I go to my bedroom. Then the next day, I, uh, I wake up, and we're talking over breakfast, and I was like, did you fall asleep uh, crouched over the couch? And she says, no, I was praying. And I said, I thought you were asleep. She goes, no, like, I wasn't asleep. I was praying. I knew that you were there. I heard you get water, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. It's just I didn't hear you pray. And this woman looks at me over coffee, and she says, if the majority of your prayer time is consumed with you doing all the talking, then you're not praying. And that transformed my perspective on prayer because it's not one-sided. We often just don't allow for God to speak or for us to listen. So will you stand with us one more time this morning as we pray? Dear God, we are so thankful that you're so close, that you know us in our brokenness, that you know us in our sin, and yet your power reigns over everything else, God, over our brokenness even, over the things that we can't control. God, we are so thankful that you as Heavenly Father have created this place for us to experience you. God, we pray that we can that this can lead to transforming experiences in intimacy with you, that we can grow to know, to know your will. We remove ourselves, and God, before anything else, we just want to know you. We seek to know you. We seek to grow in that level of intimacy to understand you as our Father. God, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you that you have blessed us with our families, with this church body, with our spouses, with our children. God, thank you that you have given me life. God, I pray that you continue to bless me. And I pray that you continue to transform my mind to see those blessings and how you've done something amazing in my life. God, I pray that you keep us safe that you help us endure hardships, that you help us transform our community by representing you, by being you to the world. God, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.